Hey, welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose. I've been here before, you may remember. And uh, I always love spending time with Hannity's audience. You guys are awesome. You really are. So I'm so excited. We have a really jam-packed show for you today. I mean, it seriously is jam-packed because you know what? There is so very much to talk about. We're going to talk about it all, give you um, a heads up on who's joining me in just a bit. I just want to remind you that this is The Hannity Show, and you can call in, and I'll take your phone calls every opportunity I have. The phone number is 1-800-941-SEAN, 1-800-941-7326, 1-800-941-SEAN, S-E-A-N. So I'm Rose. You can check me out on Facebook. Please do. In fact, go there and like me and follow me, all this stuff that you're supposed to do on Facebook. It's Rose Unplugged. Also on MeWe, I do that too, Rose Unplugged. Twitter is at Rose underscore Unplugged. Parlor is Rose Unplugged. Instagram is Rose Unplugged, the number one. And my website is roseunplugged.com. I mean, I think it kind of has to do with Rose Unplugged. Like, if you throw that in there anywhere, I'll bet you you would find me. So I'm so excited to be here. You know, there's a couple of things I want to talk about, and we are going to talk. You know, look, when we talk about Pennsylvania, we're talking about all of the other battleground states. We're talking about what's going on here and how that represents what's going on across the country and why so many eyes are on Pennsylvania. So one of my first guests, we will be focusing on that, but we're going to, we are going to take a look further. Uh, Congressman Mike Kelly and Congressman Dan Muser will join me at 335. And we're going to talk about not only what's happening here in some of these battleground states, but what are we going to do nationally? How are we going to protect the vote in the future? How can we have confidence once again in the system that has failed us and failed us tremendously? So that's the first thing coming up this hour. You know, last year when the president gave his State of the Union address, he said something very strongly and very boldly. I I loved him for it. I love him for a lot of reasons, but I loved it when he said, America will never be a socialist country. We all took notice of that. We certainly did. And we appreciated that because he understood where we were headed, where the left was headed. But you know who else took notice? The left. And they believed his promise because guess what? Every bit as much as you and I believe that he made good on promises, they watched him make good on every promise that he made to the American people. So why would that promise be any different? America, he said, will never be a socialist country. He promised us that as long as he is president. Well, they are doing everything to make sure that they make a transition so smooth, so easily into socialism. You can almost start to see it, can't you? Can't you feel it right now? You know, advocates of socialism have long believed that we shouldn't be making our own decisions. I mean, we really can't. We couldn't, we couldn't possibly be permitted to assess our own risks. That's the job of the government, right? Government and government alone, they believe, knows what's best for us and how best to conduct our lives. Listen, make no mistake. Socialism demands there be no free press, no free speech, no free elections, no free enterprise. Does any of this sound familiar? The goal of socialism is to kill the human spirit. The very spirit our founding fathers unleashed when they decided that this country would be founded on godly principles, principles that promote the individual, not the state. You remember, 
We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Socialism doesn't like that, okay? Because that doesn't allow them to stay in control. Socialism despises a middle class. Those people that have pursued happiness through entrepreneurship, they despise that. And I'll tell you something. I truly believe that the more shutdowns of small businesses, the more smoothly the transition towards socialism. Because you know why? A successful middle class is the predictable result of capitalism. It is what makes America unique. Democrats always say that they care about the middle class and jobs. But everything they do, everything they do, belabors and destroys the middle class, whether it's through taxation, through regulations, and through shutdowns. The last thing Democrats want is a wealthy middle class because a wealthy middle class doesn't want what the Democrats are selling. And that is government dependency. So what if businesses are going to shut down again? I mean, they didn't care that many of those businesses that were left standing after the last shutdown are only standing on one wobbly leg and that another shutdown will effectively knock them off of that leg as well, causing them to shut their doors forever. And so many governors are out there. Oh, you know, I've got a list of what some governors and mayors and other officials are doing, even though they tell you, this is socialism, by the way, they tell you how you need to live your life, but they don't have to live under those same rules that you have to live under because they are the elites. They are the elites. And I've got a list of them and we'll go through it. But they want to seem to make sure that whatever was left standing will no longer be. And don't forget that small business is the backbone of this country. The small business owner gave blood and sweat and tears and their savings to build that business, to support that community, to employ people living in that community. They were the backbone of this country. Socialism eliminates free markets and does away with free enterprise. We know it doesn't work. Just look at Venezuela, a once prosperous country, and now they're a mess. They're a mess because of destructive socialist policies. Tyrannical governments and socialist dictatorships have done nothing, absolutely nothing, to enhance the human condition. Nothing. The freedom that America has gifted to the world And believe it, we have. We have gifted so much to the world because of our freedom. On the other hand, has raised the baseline of human existence beyond anything ever conceived before. Socialism does nothing to enhance the human condition. But freedom, freedom has raised the baseline of our human existence beyond anything we've ever seen before. And attempts to stifle that are tyrannical acts. And we are seeing tyrannical acts across this country. Many of them are happening in blue states, to be sure. 
our fathers, our forefathers ran from the tyrannical rule of kings. That's what they were escaping. Someone who was telling them how they could conduct their life, how they could work. You could only, listen, you could only be a success over there at that time if you were born into it, if you had a certain bloodline, or if they determined you could be. You could only worship the way they wanted you to worship. They ran from tyrannical rule of kings. Yet, those on the left today seem to be running towards tyranny of a different kind, a different sort. You know, you know, a lot of talk about Pennsylvania right now. I was listening to the news before the show started. You hear a lot, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, and all eyes were on Pennsylvania for good reason. They were, sent, they were crucial to the 2016 win for Donald Trump. And right now, I'm broadcasting to you from Pennsylvania, from Pittsburgh. And once again, we are, we are at, at a very important place in this state. What is happening in this state? Two counties in particular, Philadelphia and Allegheny, have had some of the worst fraud incidents that you could imagine Pennsylvania, yes, we have eyes on this state. And, you know, if you think about it, we are the keystone state. We are the stone that holds all the others in place. It was here that 13 colonies became the United States of America. It was here, 11 years later, that the most radical document of all time was drafted, our Constitution. It was here that freedom was birthed and later fought for. It was here that it has been established that our liberties do not come from man, but from God, because otherwise man could take them away, as we have seen. It was William Penn who once said, those who will not be governed by God will be ruled by tyrants. My friends, this is all about liberty. Everything that you see going on right now, everything that's been going on since the election and then behind the scenes before the election. It is all about liberty. Isn't it interesting that we've come almost full circle, the very places that we established that liberty, that freedom, for not just those living at that time, but for those that came after them. This is a battle for liberty. Our liberty was declared 244 years ago by men who pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to the cause. We owe them a life dedicated to preserving liberty, not a capitulation to the tyrannical forces of socialism, but we owe them a life dedicated to preserving liberty. John Adams said, you will never know, you will never know how much it has cost my generation to preserve your freedom. I hope you will make a good use of it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is up to us right now to make a good use of it. And we're back. It's the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, Parlor, Rose Unplugged everywhere. We'll get back to the show and your phone calls. But before we do, I just want to remind you that the holidays might be the perfect time for decorations and gift giving and reflecting on the year. What a year. But it could also be a perfect time for cyber criminals to compromise your devices and steal your personal information. Don't let cyber criminals unhappy your holidays. You need to get powerful protection with Norton 360 and keep the holidays happy 
festive and safer when going online. Real-time protection against existing and emerging threats that could put your personal information at risk, especially at this time of year, including device security. No one can prevent all cybercrime, but Norton 360 is a great way to give you and your family the gift that keeps giving all year long. The best sale of the year is happening right now. Save up to 65% off your first year. Go to Norton.com slash Hannity. Don't let the best sale of the year pass you by. Go to Norton.com slash Hannity to save up to 65%. Now, this ends November 30th. Norton.com slash Hannity. We can take some calls. If I don't get to you right now, I'll get you some point in this hour later on. Let's go with Sean, Deer Park, Texas. Hey, Sean, how are you doing? Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Bet. Um, I'm just curious your thoughts on, you know, the longer this kind of goes on, it just kind of seems like the Trump supporters, and at least I know, you know, here in Texas, everybody was really enthused, you know, coming up to the election, and then it happened, and everybody's like, well, you know, naively thinking that, you know, the, you know, the elected officials are going to do the right thing, but it just seems like the longer it goes on, all they want to talk about is protecting future elections, and kind of, let's just forget about this one, sweep it under the rug, and, you know, I just kind of wanted your opinion on that and on Sydney Powell, which put her, uh, they keep building up what she's working on. And yeah, we think that that's going to be something. Yeah, I do. And we're going to talk more about Sydney Powell a little later. But Sean, let me just say something. A couple of things you said. Number one, I. I reject the idea that, you know, we'll just move forward and uh, we'll work on this for the next election. We can't afford to wait until the next election. We need to know that we did everything right now that we could do. Now, I don't know how that all ends up. I still have hope and I feel um, very optimistic. But I know this, Sean, we cannot stop doing what we are doing. We are fighting for more than a candidate. We are fighting for more than an election. We are fighting for more than Donald Trump, okay? We are fighting for our republic. We are fighting for free elections. And if we don't win this battle, then I am very concerned. And these people that say, let's wait until the next election, let's work on this later, baby, there may not be another free election. Another Republican or conservative candidate may never win again. So we need to know, Sean, when we go forward, that we did everything that we could do, everything that we could do. I have not lost any hope. I I am going to stand firm. I'm going to pray for this country because I believe this is a battle that first starts on our knees and I will pray for this country and its future. Sean, thanks so much for your phone call. I appreciate it. Frank from Belmore, New York. Hey, Frank. Hi, how are you? Uh, You're just saying something and um, that's good. Um, I just want to add very quickly to what I called for and then I'll get to my point. The last caller. I'm tired of hearing people say, oh, we've got to have fair elections going forward no matter what happens. I'm tired of that. We need to fight now because there is no tomorrow. We need to fight for what's right now. There is no giving up, period. There are things you can do. You can call your state legislator. You can, you can contact the people who, are, who have signed affidavits who are being scorned by the media. Yes. Maybe offer them support in some way. There's so many things we can do as individuals. And I'm Hold on, Frank. We'll, we'll finish you up on the other side, babe. We have to, we have to go to a break right now. Stay with us. And uh, you're listening to Sean Hannity. My name is Rose. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, Parlor, Instagram, website, Rose Unplugged. And we'll be back with so much more. Also coming up, Congressman Mike Kelly and Congressman Dan Muser. Love them both. Great guys. That's right, it is. It's the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose, sitting in for Sean. 
and uh, love his audience. Thank you, Frank, for hanging in there because I've got two guests right now. I'll get back to the phone calls in just a bit. 1-800-941-SEAN. 1-800-941-SEAN. Joining me right now are two men that I am so grateful to have representing my state of Pennsylvania. Uh, Congressman Mike Kelly from the 16th District and Congressman Dan Muser from District 9, both of Pennsylvania. um, And they're here to talk about what's happening in the state and what we're doing on a national level about what's been happening in several of the states. Welcome to both of you. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having us, Rose. You bet. Yes, Rose. Thank you very much, Mike. Great to be with you. Good to be with you, Dan. You both. I have been with both of you. Uh, Congressman Dan Muser, recently in Harrisburg, there was a huge uh, rally, uh, Stop the Steal rally, and we were out there for that. And then um, Congressman Mike Kelly, you and I were in Washington, D.C., and both of us spoke on the main stage there at the uh, Supreme Court steps. So it's, it's, been, it, it's been a lot of fun working with both of you, and you both are very passionate about this country and about the republic. That being said, I... Yes, and I appreciate that. You know, let's start with um, Congressman Mike Kelly. Right now, there's a case um, that you are named as a plaintiff. You know, and this is about protecting the Pennsylvania Constitution and and, and the rule of law. It has nothing to do with being a Republican, a Democrat, or an Independent. And it's it's all about ensuring that all laws are passed within our constitutional system of government. And we cannot, cannot have laws that are unconstitutional. Congressman Mike Kelly, tell me a little bit about it, because I know that one of the things that you wanted to do was delay the certification, but the, they did certify in Pennsylvania, didn't they? Yeah, I was, you know, it's, so it's, it's H.R. 8753, but what it, what it really is called is the Protect Election Integrity Act. And, and I got to tell you, uh, what we saw happen, now the, part, the piece that we're going to talk about today is an, an Act 77 with the Pennsylvania State Legislature in October of 2019 passed an omnibus uh, piece of legislation that had in it this mail-in ballot uh, uh, issue, and it was done outside the Constitution. It's an unconstitutional law passed by the Pennsylvania legislation back in October of 2019. So it had nothing to do with the pandemic at that time, but it had everything to do with going outside the Constitution. And what we're doing is we're challenging that, and we're saying, wait a minute, that's not the way it works. You just can't go ahead doing these things. Uh, there's a process to follow. There should have been an amendment that was put through. Uh, it was never done it was done that way. And so now we're fighting uh, a an issue that we think is critical. If constitutions don't matter, then I don't know what it is that we're following anymore, especially when it comes to the rule of law. These are serious, serious things that are taking place. And as Dan and I both know, you know, if you look at some of the things that happened, incredible what took place. I tell you, we just look at Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, Rose. How about this? Over 680,000 yep. ballots that only had one, one oversight, uh, the oversight by Democrats, in those, uh, those ballot-counting uh, situations. So that's a, a huge, huge issue. But the, the Act 77 piece that was pushed through the Pennsylvania legislature back in October 2019 was the start of all this with a mail-in ballot situation and the fact that we had so many irregularities in this election. It causes a great deal of concern on, on everybody's part. It really does, Congressman Kelly. And, and, and Congressman Muser, I mean, when a law is passed, I mean— Pennsylvania citizens have reason to believe it was lawfully passed and, and, and that it's constitutional. When we find out that it is not, regardless of the nature or the subject of the law, it's incumbent upon us to challenge that law. And that's what's being done in Pennsylvania. That's what has been going on in Pennsylvania. 
Well, precisely, and I and I will say uh, we are all very supportive of uh, Mike Kelly's initiative. Not a better member of Congress uh, could could there be? And here in Pennsylvania, we have many many millions of people have serious concerns as to the overall integrity of the of the election, but certainly the fairness of the election of the president of the United States. And we're already a state that doesn't require ID at the polling places. But then to throw in there millions, literally millions of mail-in ballots, and then have the Secretary of State say that the signatures don't need to match? Right. You know, at least at the polling places, the signatures need to match. And then have ballot applications granted, not the ballots, but ballot applications going out to everyone, two, three at a time. And yes, those, those that were deceased were receiving those. People who weren't living in those homes anymore. So the problems really with Act 77 is it left open a lot of these opportunities, frankly, uh, for, for cheating. And, and then throw in there the, the regular activities of, again, the, the our governor's office and the secretary of state passed it, allowing uh, ballots to be received after the uh, statutory date of, of, um, of uh, 8 o'clock on election night, uh, the curing and fixing in various counties. There's still questions that need to be answered, and, and they, they should be. And that's the whole reason behind uh, some of the lawsuits uh, and the, uh, the president's position uh, and the request for a due, due process for, uh, uh, for, uh, for some of these answers. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's just so people know, you know, our Pennsylvania Superior, uh, Supreme Court had recently ruled that any ballot without a date, a name or address could be counted. And yet our state assembly specifically states that you have to fill out that envelope. You have to have that information. So um, that it's really concerning what's going on now for both of you. And, and, and this time I'll start with you, Congressman Muser. When you when we think about what we do going forward right now, I'm happy that that there are great lawyers on the ground here. There's heavy cadre of lawyers in Philadelphia. Um, they're doing everything they can do to protect the integrity of our vote here in Pennsylvania. But let's talk about what happens even beyond this. I mean, we knew, we were being warned for years that fraud should be and was an issue. We've always had that problem in Pennsylvania. Now we are seeing it nationwide. Now, I know that, Congressman Muser, you just recently spoke on the House floor about the importance of a lawful and free and fair vote count, not just in Pennsylvania, but in the nation. Yeah, I, I sure did. And I was trying to appeal, certainly to explain our position and make our case, but also appeal to Democrats and Republicans who have any doubt as to why we're pursuing uh, the type of uh, legal actions and, and requests for more information as we are for the purpose of a, of, a, of a fair election. You know, as stated, what's at stake here is truly the faith in our system. And you know something, Rose? Hmm. Election integrity doesn't take sides, right? That's right. I mean, we can't allow a system to be gamed. And because and if, if we allow this just to occur here, it, it could occur again. But we, right. at the same time, we have a very important election that we, uh, the presidential election of 2020, that still needs, uh, still needs some, some answers to some questions. 
You know, and and that's so true, uh, Congressman Kelly. You know, um, the congressman just spoke about uh, not necessarily being a Republican issue, and it's not. And I've been saying that on this show, and others have as well. That this isn't about one candidate. It isn't about Donald Trump. This is about a process. This is about a free election, and and that is why I think most of us are so very concerned. Next time, it could be someone else's candidate, and we want to protect everyone's vote going forward. Yeah. No, I know that's absolutely true. And I, I think, Rose, if you look at the history of the concern we have for the integrity of elections, you go back to the Help America Vote Act of 2002, where in that case, uh, it was the, the question over Vice President Al Gore losing to President Bush. And the concern we had that, well, we need to have more integrity. We need to be able to look at this. You know, the, the old saying still persists that uh, the, best, the best day in the septic is sunlight. And so when you look what's going on right now, I would certainly think, this is just common sense, and I would just ask all our listeners to think through this. If you believe that you've done everything the right way, and you're being challenged on whether that is in fact true, you would say, I don't care, uh, let's do this, let's have a full and open look at what took place, yes. and if there's something that we're not attesting or, or what we're not uh, telling the truth about, then we need to make it uh, public. And if there is something uh, that's wrong, then, then fine, that too. But in this case, people are saying, no, 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 you don't have to look any deeper. When the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania decides to have disparity in the way people vote, and that's people that went out and went to the polls on November the 3rd and cast a ballot, and then you have another group of people that supposedly voted. We had dead people voting. We had a lot of people uh, voting that were voting two or three times. In some cases, we had more votes than there were people in those districts to vote. And people saying, no, 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 nothing here to see, folks. Just move on. I am Mm -hmm. absolutely stunned that on the other side of the aisle, people would say, look, I don't care what you all think, and I don't care how bad it looks. We're going to go with this. I know Dan and I have been working on this for a long time. We really do believe that every vote, every legitimate lawful vote, needs to be counted and counted properly. This other part of not doing that is the one is the thing that casts a shadow over this election and should bring everybody to the attention of, do we have any integrity in America voting process, or have we become worse than the, the worst banana republic that's out there today? It just Amen. doesn't make sense, Gross. It doesn't Amen. Make sense. It does not make sense. Congressman Muser, I'll give you the, the final word in this segment, and I appreciate both of you being here. Go ahead, Congressman. Uh, thanks, Rose. You know, we need leadership in government and in all parts of our society that works for the people and is honest with the people and represents the people in a, in a highly sensitive manner. And this, this, this election process and the decisions made by a few, frankly, in Harrisburg and the governor's office uh, put a, a tremendous amount of distrust in the election system. There's just no, no two ways about it. I mean, polls have, what, 65, 70 percent of over 3 million votes have, have a high level of distrust. And it just goes, goes with that, but it also goes with the shutdowns, how that's being handled. It's wrong. It should be inclusionary. It should be a discussion. We should all have ownership on how to create a health and safe and open economy. And it really comes down to leadership and those who want to want to truly work for the people and a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. That's the, that's the commitment that we, that we make, and, and I know that's my dedication. I know it's Mike Kelly's and many others. 
Yeah, I've seen your dedication and uh, and I've seen how well uh, the people in your district and, and in fact, across the state respond to both of you. I, I appreciate all that you both have done. Thank you so much for serving this country so well and serving the state of Pennsylvania as well. Um, take care of Congressman Mike Kelly and Congressman Dan Muser. I appreciate you both. Love disco. I absolutely love disco. Thank you for that, Jason. And thank you, Frank, for hanging in there. Why don't you, I've got about a minute for you, Frank. Finish up your thought, and thanks for being so oh, patient. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, the average age of the men that stole the beaches of Normandy was 20 years old. My I had God. a conversation, yes, I had a conversation with my kid brother a year before he was killed in the Navy, and I asked him, why do you do it? Mm. You know, why do you, why do you do it? And he said, oh, I do it for America, I do it for freedom. At 24, he was at the time, and then he paused, looked me dead in the eye and, say, and said, you know why I mostly do it, big bro? Because I want to honor the guys that came before me that gave so much. And that's what we need to do. There's 73 million of us in Donald Trump, and that's it. Forget Lindsey Graham, forget them all. Let's let these judges know to do their job, follow the law, wherever it leads, it leads. We cannot give up. We need to honor all those who sacrificed everything. Oh, my Thank God, you. Frank. I am so glad that we Thank held you over. That was so powerful. I'm sorry for your loss. God bless you. And that was, that was powerful. I really appreciate that. Gosh, we have so much more coming up, lots to talk about, hopefully shedding some light on some of the things going on, give you more encouragement. I do want to say this, though, Wednesday, November 25th, restaurants and bars are ordered in Pennsylvania to suspend alcohol sales at 5 p.m. until 8 a.m. on Thursday. Governor Wolf, the craziest man I've ever heard of, I'm serious, this guy is losing it, says that I think he's doing this just to say, look, this is so fun. Look what we can do to these people. Honestly, he said Thanksgiving is the biggest day for drinking. Damn right it is. And acknowledged bars and restaurants have been hit hard by the pandemic. But this one night ban is needed. Needed for what, Governor? For what one night? And I'm going to tell you something, Governor. Let me tell you something. After I've been to four different grocery stores, yes, four, and, and, and cleaned an entire home and prepped bedrooms for guests. I need a drink. And it was exactly at 5 o'clock on Wednesday night that I was planning to have that drink. Who the hell do you think you are? Seriously. Who the hell do you think you are? And really, we know this doesn't make any sense. We know you're screwing with us. We know it. Rose Unplugged, filling in for Hannity. Love Hannity. We'll be back with lots more. I've got great guests coming up. David Schoen is joining me next. He's a great guy. Very smart man. Looking forward to talking to him and and really picking his brain. All right. So hang with us. You're listening to the Hannity Radio Show. And uh, he's got his book, Live Free or Die, New York Times bestseller. Okay, we're back. This is the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose Check me out on Facebook at MeWe. It's Rose Unplugged. On Twitter, it's at Rose underscore Unplugged. Parlor, Rose Unplugged. Instagram, Rose Unplugged with the number one after it. Website is roseunplugged.com. Makes it really easy for you. I will take your phone calls a little later. 1-800-941-SEAN. Get the calls in. 1-800-941-7326. So excited to have this guy on because I've had him on before when I was sitting in for Sean. And I think I might have had him on my show, too. Um, civil liberties attorney, former board member of the Alabama Civil Liberties Union. He has experience in election law, just finished a major brief in an election case. He's done election contests, bringing ballot access cases all around the country, challenging states' laws on how small parties and independents get on the ballot. Smart guy, knows what he's talking about, represented minor party candidates in presidential years 2016 
this guy is so cool. And um, we're going to talk about um, some of the things that are going on in the different states and clear some things up because I keep getting asked the same questions. Please welcome to the show, David Schoen. How are you? Fine, thanks. Thanks very much. And you did have me on your show, and I loved it. You do a fabulous job. Oh, you're so sweet. I thought so. I remembered that. Yeah, I like you, and I feel the same way about you, and thank you so much, because there are so many things I want to ask you about. I don't even know where to start, but I think I will start with this. So many people, David, have been texting me over the last few days about Sidney Powell, and they have concerns because, you know, the the president's legal team had tweeted that she was not part of the legal team. But was she ever, David? And what do you suppose the reasoning was behind the statement that, that there was a need to say that? Because people are reading that in what I think is a negative way, but I, I think they're reading it in a negative way. I think it's all fine. I think they're just making, they're clarifying some things. Uh, so they can continue to go forward. What What do you say, David, about that? Yeah. You know, I really don't know the inner workings of that. I mean, I certainly know them all, um, all those players. Uh, they're all good people, frankly. <laughs> yes. um, I, uh, uh, I, it could be something technical like, you know, there's been a, an issue raised in the press about campaign funds using used to hire this lawyer and that lawyer. I don't know. I, I think it's a lot of nonsense, quite frankly. They're all, you know, out there doing their jobs. What, I, what, I, what I'm afraid of is it represents this trend that we're seeing that's uh, all too present in the last couple of years. Threats. There are threats toward uh, yes. criminal prosecution of the lawyers who dare to challenge the uh, voting effort in Michigan or Wisconsin or Georgia. Now there's a threat about bringing a bar complaint about Rudy Giuliani and so on and so forth. It's just outrageous, this kind of intimidation. Listen, I, I, I hate to draw parallels to things that are a little bit different, but I think it's a, a bit similar to the whole Hunter Biden situation, the president of the United States asked for an investigation, not a prosecution, an investigation into Hunter Biden's dealings in the Ukraine, how they affected Joe Biden, etc. He was impeached over it. Um, this kind That's of intimidation right. can't fly. There's probably no more right, say, more valuable in the American political system than our right to vote. One of the uh, cases you messed that left out, fortunately, in my background, is the Shelby County voting rights case in the Supreme Court. I was on the losing end of that case representing Alabama voters. But I do these election cases because I think they're very important. I represented in 2020 a socialist candidate for president just to get on the ballot. I believe in full participation. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's so important. But this kind of intimidation has got to go. You know, and you're so right because it's not, and we talked about this a little earlier, we're not talking about one campaign. We're not talking about one person. This goes far beyond that. The voter needs to know, every voter needs to know that their votes um, were were counted, that the election was legitimate, that it was a free election. And there is so much controversy right now, and there's so much concern. I mean, my goodness, David, I'm still hearing from people that, you know, they, they're looking at their absence absentee um, ballot status online and they still they see that it hasn't been counted or you know I mean there are just so many issues right now and and some will say David and I and there's someone in Allegheny County who said to me the other day a Republican well you know so there's fraud there's always fraud David this goes beyond the always fraud that we may have seen in previous elections this is greater on a grander scale don't you do you agree with that uh, you know, I don't know the facts yet about the fraud. I don't know when we're going to know it. I hope there's going to be a full investigation when all the heat dies down uh, so that this is really followed through to the nth degree. But what we do know is many of these elections were razor close. 
This is, again, I, you know, like into the Biden thing, the American people should want to know. This isn't Donald Trump demanding this and demanding yes. that. And right. to the extent he's demanding it, he's demanding it for the American people. It's the integrity of our election process. Our country and way of government and life depend on it, frankly. You know, I hear people say in Georgia, oh, my gosh, he's asking for a third recount now. It's Georgia law. This isn't something Donald Trump made up. When there's a margin of less than 0.5%, then a recount, uh, a hand recount, and then there's a machine recount. That's what the law provides. He didn't write the law. He's not asking for any special favors. And the idea that lawyers should be threatened to ask for these things, this is in the public interest. Yeah, you're so right about that, and it should be in everyone's interest. So, you know, there's something I wanted to talk to you about, too, and I know you're familiar with this, that there were those congressional Democrats, um, Was it, I think a year ago, sent a letter to the owners of Dominion Voting Systems, and they were talking about in that letter or several problems that they saw with the system and how it might threaten the integrity of our elections. Isn't that interesting that we had not heard anything more about that? I believe Senator Warren was one of those Democrats. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you have to ask, is politics is stunning in its hypocrisy so, so frequently, unfortunately. And we've talked right. for the last couple of years about this double standard. But how on earth do these people wake up in the morning, look themselves in the mirror, and now make these accusations that this is outrageous to accuse a company like Dominion of uh, issues or problems or fraud, and then you put on the, you know, the head of Dominion, oh, we're an American company, we haven't done anything wrong. 2019, December 2019, exactly like you said, Letter signed by Democratic Senators Ron Wyden from Oregon, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, Congressman Mark Pocan. They didn't just say, hey, guys, let's take a look at our election system. Are we safe? They said Dominion voting system. We're concerned about the problems that, quote, threaten the integrity of our elections, including, quote, vote switching, close quotes. Now, come on, that's what we're talking about here. And all of a sudden, you're a criminal if you dare raise that issue or ask a question about it. They should be out front demanding the answers they demanded uh, in 2019. Now they like what they think is the result of the election. And so there's no issue. Let's move on, folks. Isn't that that's just astounding, isn't it? Absolutely. And they've said nothing. We've heard nothing from them. Not one word. Yep. That's right. It's, it's terrible. And it sends a terrible message to the American people. People are sick and fed up and sick of this hypocrisy in politics and politicking with everything between, I mean, we saw it with this Nadler and Schiff over the last few years, uh, impeachment proceedings, lying and so on. American people are sick of that. You saw 70 some odd million people come out and vote for Donald Trump against the media against the Russian investigation, against COVID-19, against every obstacle they put up in this man's way, uh, over 70-some-odd million people came out to vote for him. It's not wrong to demand integrity in the process and to ask all of these questions. So, in your opinion, we are doing precisely what we should be doing right now. This is what the system provides for. This is what should be done. It doesn't matter. You know, they say, well, this lawsuit and that lawsuit have been thrown out. I think, I, I think it's a case, the case that some of the lawyers who have been bringing the cases uh, have been inexperienced with election law. They've sued some of the wrong people at times and all that. That doesn't make them clowns, and it doesn't make the suit without merit. What we do know is many law firms who signed on to take on these battles were threatened. Their clients were approached by uh, some political groups and threatened if they continued with them, and some of them pulled out for that reason. As a lawyer, I can't stand to see that happening. I take on unpopular cases 
all the time. Um, and, you know, to try to put me out of business or any lawyer out of business because you're taking on an unpopular cause. It's also a popular cause. Ro- Donald Trump speaks for at least half of this country. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, it's an outrage. It really is right here in Pennsylvania. So many law firms, so many lawyers were threatened. And, uh, and and it was so concerning to me. And it was so sad, too, that these people, the lawyers that are on the ground here, you know, um, fighting uh, possible fraud, uh, trying to put together a case and to find out that they couldn't even get a lawyer to present for them. It's an outrage. And Citizens are being threatened and intimidated, even citizens, for standing up for the Constitution, the rule of law. And you wonder sometimes, what country do we live in when people are threatened with bodily harm for speaking about the rule of law? You know, this country has been the one beacon in the world where people have been able to express their opinion freely and safely without fear of retribution or without intimidation. And, And our Constitution provides these protections that every single American must res- that we should be respecting and uh, respectful of and cheerful or uh, cherish those abilities that right and those protections that we have under the constitution and right now it is frightening to see what is going on it certainly is and i just i know that everyone is doing what we, we, what we need to do because as you said we're not doing it for just one person one election one candidate we are doing it for the integrity of the vote and the integrity of the election and and it's sad to watch some of the things that are going on. You, you've said it all. I mean, that's absolutely right. You know, I believe in this system. I, I didn't represent the socialist candidate because I uh, believe in, you know, the policy, Socialism, quite right. frankly. Right. Um, I represented, you know, Ku Klux Klan. I don't believe in the Ku Klux Klan. I believe in the integrity of our system, period. Um, and we have to be able to work to make that a better system. I represented in the past the National Democratic Party at trial. I was proud to do it. Um, uh, I, I can't recognize them anymore. I don't recognize this people like the squad and the threats that they make and the demands that they make. This isn't what our country was built on, and our country can't survive if it goes forward. It would certainly be a very different country, put it that way. It really would. You're so right about that. One question I have for you, because I'm not sure I understand. For example, um, uh, the uh, Pennsylvania Secretary of State did certify the election results, okay, just recently. Um, And I know that there were some cases that that are out there or or asking for extensions and asking them to hold off on doing that. Even though the Secretary of State certify election results, can some of these, um, some of this litigation go forward? Does it matter that they've certified the election results? Uh, it can, the litigation can go forward. I'm okay. afraid, though, now what we've seen is, and this is what I think the Democratic Party is pushing for, the momentum just takes on sort of an inertia of its own yeah. so that there's so many forces pressing to just walk away. The media is overwhelming with it. And now there have been suggestions. The president say, listen, you know what? I, I can't fight everybody all at once. Um, I'm going to step aside. Uh, if that happened, then I sure hope there's an impartial investigation that finds out, even if after the fact, uh, whether there was fraud and what happened to the integrity of this election. Um, listen, you know, we're starting to see the cabinet picks come in now, and we just see things that don't matter. You've got a pick in the cabinet. Forget about bringing John Kerry back. I mean, that, that to me is outrageous. Yeah, yeah, but right. they're not just retreads. It's like the second tier. But you're, all, you're seeing a guy come in now who was one of the advocates of the Russian collusion uh, oh, theory. Oh, my God. I mean, I think this guy's got, you know, an apology to make to Carter Page. He's got to answer questions when this confirmation comes up. This can't just be business as usual anymore. This was an attack on the presidency that went on for years. Notwithstanding that attack, 
there was un, there were unbelievable accomplishments, including the economy, including a record stock market. But in my things that I'm interested in, including our foreign affairs, um, I think we've never stood taller. I agree. David Schoen, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you. You are a wealth of knowledge. And uh, just happy Thanksgiving to you, by the way. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank Thanks, you so babe. much. Thank Great so honor much to be on with you. Oh, my honor. My honor. Hey, listen, we'll be back with more of the Sean Hannity Show. Um, you can get your calls in right now on 800-941-SEAN, 1-800-941-SEAN, in case you weren't sure how to spell Sean. And you know, he's got the Live Free or Die book out there. It's a the number one New York Times bestseller. Why haven't you read it yet? What are you waiting for? We'll be back with more right after this break. Okay, we're back. I'm going to squeeze in a quick phone call. Um, let's see. Uh, let's do what Aubrey has been waiting from Florida. Hey, Aubrey, how's it going? Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. I have uh, a statement I want to make and then ask you a question about it. Okay. The Our founding fathers who signed the independence the Declaration of Independence, they were up against treason if they had failed to to establish this country. Yep. Now, what do you think that those framers would do under the same circumstances that we're under today where liberty is in jeopardy? What do you think they would do? I think they'd be forming a militia, a militia. Well, I'll tell you one thing. You know, we fight battles in different ways at different times in our life. One of the things I think is neat, Aubrey, is that, you know, there are so many really bright people I, that are doing things I couldn't even begin to understand um, that are out there trying to figure out the algorithms and the and the um, the fraud that way. Then there are other people who are on their knees fighting the battle that way through prayer. Then there are others who are, are making phone calls and writing letters. I think that that um, every time in our life, different seasons in our life bring about uh, different opportunities or different ways to fight something. We, we are in a very important time right now in this country, and I think it requires so much out of so many of us. But also remember, too, and I, I'll talk a little bit more about this later, remember what was said, you know, that so much was given. You'll never know how much it cost my generation to preserve your freedom, Adam said. I hope you will make good use of it. We must remember that, and we must do whatever it takes. We must stand firm and, uh, and as we go forward. I think we're on the right track right now. Thank you so much for hanging in there. We'll be back with lots more right after this. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose. Check me out on Facebook, Rose Unplugged. MeWe, Rose Unplugged. Twitter and Parlor is Rose Unplugged. On Twitter, it's at Rose underscore Unplugged. And then Instagram is Rose Unplugged, the number one. And the website is RoseUnplugged.com. Get your phone calls in because after these guests, I will take your calls. 1-800-941-SEAN. 1-800-941-SEAN. Also, when I come back um, after my guests, I've got so much I want to talk to you about. I want to talk about some of the governors, the mayors, and other officials and their hypocrisy, naming names. And then I want to talk about how people are responding. They've had enough. 
had enough. So <clears throat> that's coming up. Also, before we get to my guests, I just want to mention this. The holidays can feel like a never-ending to-do list. Shopping online or browsing can expose your personal information. So get LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. I've got it. Because not all websites are on the nice list. And you'll want to know if your personal information has been potentially exposed or found on the dark web. So this holiday season, you could miss certain identity threats by just monitoring your monitor, monitoring your credit and bank statements. Get LifeLock, the leader in identity theft protection. LifeLock helps detect a wide range of identity threats, like your social security number, for sale on the dark web. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock can help you feel protected this holiday season. The best sale of the year is happening right now. You can save up to 30% off your first year at LifeLock.com with promo code Hannity. That's 30% off at LifeLock.com, promo code Hannity. And don't forget, this ends on November 30th, so take advantage of it right now. We have joining us today two great guests I'm looking forward to talking to. First of all, we have Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. He's been more outspoken than any other member of Congress. He's raising awareness for early treatment options and therapeutics for COVID-19. You would think this is something that everyone would be behind and excited about. Oh, but no because the left is too busy fear-mongering. Also joining us is Dr. George Farid. He is a um, Harvard Medical School graduate. Um, he is, along with other doctors at his clinic, he's treated over 2,000 COVID-19 patients. This is amazing. And listen, many of them he has treated with hydro hydroxychloroquine cocktail. We're going to talk to him about that as well. So first, let me just say, Welcome, Senator Johnson and Dr. Fareed. How are you both? I'm doing great, Rose. Thanks for having us on. Thank you for being on. Let's talk about this. Let's start first with Senator Johnson. You have been very outspoken on the floor talking about some of the areas that we never really talk about, and that is early treatment and therapeutics for COVID-19. You've been very outspoken. You've been criticized for talking about this. What is wrong with taking this angle? Wouldn't we want to put people in a position where they could either fight off this virus or they could never be they could never have to worry about fighting it in the first place if they were in a certain position, either um, with their immune system or with therapeutics? What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it. It makes all the sense in the world. And I'm so glad I'm on the show with a real hero. I mean, Dr. Dr. Fareed has saved, I don't know how many lives, but you know, he's one of those frontline doctors, been practicing medicine for over 50 years. I'll let him speak for himself. But, you know, it takes courage to treat a COVID patient. Not, not everybody does that. Not everybody in medicine wants to do that uh, because it's a scary illness. It's, there's legitimate fear out there. But as with most viruses, you know, for example, Tamiflu, everybody knows if, if you get the flu or you know somebody has the flu and you start getting the symptoms, you have to take the Tamiflu early to stop the viral replication so you, didn't, you don't get very sick. Well, the same thing uh, you, we can assume is true with uh, COVID. And so it just boggles my mind that there's been such resistance to pouring all kinds of time and effort and robust studies and, and funding into early treatment options. And the only thing I can conclude is, is two conclusions. Either it's just because President Trump talked about one of those early treatment options, and there's yes. only one option. Hydroxychloroquine, mm -hmm. all of a sudden that became poison, 
and everybody had to resist against it, but possibly at the, at the loss of and the cost of thousands or tens of thousands of lives. And, of course, the other one is you know, hydroxychloroquine and zinc and uh, azithromycin. That total cocktail costs about $20 to treat somebody versus wow. remdesivir, which they, they rushed into approval. They, they actually changed the outcome of the study. It didn't do anything in terms of reducing deaths. It reduced hospital status slightly. It has you know, side effects like liver toxicity, but they rushed that through approval. They're still using it. It's kind of a standard of care in, in hospitals now. And that costs over $3,000. So is that part of the process, too? Is you know, The pharmaceutical companies obviously would love to charge you $3,000 versus, you know, have you get supplied through a generic drug company, hydroxychloroquine with the zinc that is just off the shelf. Uh, is that is a, is a financial motive? I, I hate to think that, but, w- w- I mean, what else is there? Either the politicization of it or the financial motive of, of making sure that the only thing we're focusing on is expensive therapeutics like remdesivir and others. Yeah, you make a good point. And, and Dr. Farid, yes, you, you have a, a, you're so impressive. I mean, you've developed three patents on cancer drugs, established the first HIV clinic in California's Imperial Valley. I mean, you and you've been working with so many COVID patients. When we hear about uh, news again about a spike in nursing homes, we're hearing that right now. What would be wrong with early treatment options? What could we do for those patients in nursing homes to protect them and to give them those, whether it be early treatment options? options or therapeutics um, where this virus is concerned. Well, thank you for having me on it, and thank you, Senator Johnson. One of the most honors of my life was to have joined in on uh, last uh, Thursday's Senate hearing on early treatment and to be uh, sitting next to the heroes of mine are really uh, doctors of great stature, Dr. Harvey Reich and Dr. Peter McCullough. But uh, in any case, uh, th- there's no harm. Uh, I mean, it's critical to treat uh, nursing home patients early, just as it is any high-risk patient in the op- in the outpatient setting. And and I, I I'm I've been on the front line since the beginning of the pandemic and we became the epicenter for California in June and July. And I've seen I also work in the hospital. So I do treat the ICU patients and I've I've seen patients die in the ICU and that changed my life. And I I uh I'm committed to making available an effective treatment regardless of what it is, regardless of what the cost is, but there, as Senator Johnson stated, there are generic agents that were there from the inception. We should never have reached 250 to 300,000 fatalities in the United States. We should have cut this off with uh, effective, aggressive treatment. And in nursing homes that you bring up, we we want to prophylax those pay- people those residents with either uh, flavonoids or quercetin and zinc and vitamin D or even hydroxychloroquine once a week. I take it weekly. I'm 76 years old. I'm, I'm immersed in COVID-19, and, and uh, uh, I've been protected because I take that, I, I'm sure, and I've uh, recommended it very widely. We could have done things so differently in our country and in our, in our world for humanity, and uh, I, I, I don't uh, respond to media and op-eds that are uh, derogatory and false or fake news. I, I'm a doctor. I, see, I focus on my patients, and I focus on 
on doing what uh, I've been honored to be able to do, and I and and to deal with these compassionate doctors on the front line that are are have seen the light, and and I'm sad for President Trump. He he was misadvised, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll never uh, change that opinion. And and it's cost us so much suffering, and we're still seeing it. I'm 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 overwhelmed here as I got back from Washington. It's um, but I'm doing everything that I can do, and I give educate the patients when they come in for their tests, so they know they can prophylax. And I I treat I cover a nursing home, and I have all the patients on prophylaxis. And after that's the wonderful. That occurred, yeah, I'm sorry to go on and on. No, 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 but, but no. I, actually, I do appreciate your your offer to have me speak. And absolutely, and, I will. And, and I'm going to get back. Johnson is a hero. He is. He is. Fans. He's outspoken, and he's been criticized for what he said. Uh, before I get back to um, Senator Johnson, and I will in just a sec. You said something uh, that that really struck me because it, you were talking about educating, right? And if we really care, and this may seem doctor anecdotal, but I do have a, a friend whose husband did. Um, he was diagnosed with COVID-19. He got sick. I mean, he's recovered, thank God. But she, being in the same household with him, uh, sharing everything with him until they knew about it, she never came down with COVID-19. But on the other hand, she takes D3 and large dose, uh, you know, high IU uh, units um, every day. She takes zinc every day. So there is something, I don't know if that's anecdotal, but there may be no, something. No, it's not. It's absolutely valid. And and that's what should have been educated. And the NIH and Fauci and the FDA have stymied us. They, they've not given us any zero early treatment of uh, research or or in, or or uh, recommendations. We have monoclonal antibodies now, which are great, and and those can be combined with the antivirals that we've been using, even to make them more effective. But the monoclonals are only uh, of limited uh, application because they're not that not going to meet the demand. But they're they're in the emergency rooms and the patient comes in with early symptoms, they can get their infusion and then go back to continuing or start the outpatient anti-hydroxychloroquine cocktail, ivermectin, and that's what I'm doing now. See, and that is amazing. And Senator Johnson, you've been criticized because all you're asking is that in addition to everything else, let's start educating. Let's act proactive. Let's be proactive about all of this. What is wrong with that? Instead, you know what? You're not, you're not spreading fear. And that's what the problem is. If you were spreading fear, that would be one thing. Listen, guys, I have to ask you both this real quick. You know, more and more mandates are coming out. Um, mask wearing, again, you have to wear them in your house. As soon as you go outside, keep it on outside. And, and uh, you know, I, the lockdowns and the mandates and all of these things all over again. Many people are asking, what is the science behind this? When you're asking restaurant owners to to lock down again, and, and they just spent thousands of dollars making outdoor dining feasible, particularly in California, uh, and here they, they prep for Thanksgiving week. Where's the science in all of this? Guys, can you help me out? Who wants to go first? Doctor well, Senator Johnson, I'll send it to you, and then, and well, then we'll have the doctor it's, close. It's, 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 it's obviously a different debate. Um, you know, personally, I, I wear a mask uh, primarily as a courtesy. I, I think right. the more and more I'm reading about it, it's, it's if you are sick, first of all, you shouldn't be out and about. That's but right. If you're sick and asymptomatic and possibly can spread it, you're wearing a mask, and that will probably reduce your ability to potentially give it to others. Exactly. You know, actually wearing a mask, preventing you from getting it, 
it sound, seems like masks are, are less effective. But again, I, that's a completely separate debate. Uh, I guess the point the point I want to make is with the data that is coming on on these early treatments. And I, again, I'm not just I'm not flacking for any of them. I just think we ought to be you know giving people some hope, giving it a shot Agreed. when you've got these these drugs like like hydroxychloroquine has been around for 65 years. Tens of billions of doses have been prescribed. It's a very safe drug. Okay, so it, and if some of these metadata, meta-analysis, uh, metadata analyses are correct, you know, Dr. Ladapo, uh, just in the Wall Street Journal, is talking about one of his analyses, about 24% reduction in death, death and hospitalization. Dr. Reese, you know, his hearing said a, a 50% reduction in death and hospitalization. The Saudi study said a five-fold reduction in death when you use hydroxychloroquine with zinc versus zinc. So these are astounding figures. If you put them to, Amer- to America's death rate, you know, 25% of 250,000 people, that's, that's 75,000 souls that could have been saved. Amen. Half of Amen. it is 125,000, five-folds over 200,000 Americans had we adopted go. early treatment, effective treatment. Pe- people's lives would have been saved. Oh, well, why not give Senator Johnson. a shot? Thank you for thank you for your compassion and and you too, Dr. Farid. There's so much more to talk about. Both of you have done excellent work. We appreciate your passion. We care about you. Care about others. The humanity. You're looking at the humanity of all of this, and we recognize that and appreciate it. Thank you to Senator Ron Johnson and Dr. George Farid. We'll be back with more of the Hannity Show. I'm Rose Unplugged, and I'll take your phone calls too. After this. Welcome back to the Hannity Show. My name is Rose. Check me out on Facebook. It's Rose Unplugged. On MeWe, it's Rose Unplugged. You know, this MeWe thing is irritating, though. You have to, like, uh, say okay to everybody that wants to join. Unless there's a different way and I don't know about it, let me know. Twitter, at Rose underscore Unplugged. Parlor, Rose Unplugged. Instagram, Rose Unplugged, the number one. And my website is roseunplugged.com. And listen, in the next half hour, we're taking your phone calls. I'm going to talk about the hypocrisy, naming names, all of these people that are supposed to be. I I swear to God, I swear to God that Wolf, Governor Wolf here in Pennsylvania, I think he's like, hey, everybody, watch this. I'm going to really screw with them now just for fun, just for the hell of it. And and he tells us that we can't start drinking. We have to stop drinking in bars or in going to the liquor store or anywhere like that at five o'clock Wednesday night until 8 a.m. on Thursday. What the hell is that all about? And it is exactly five o'clock on Wednesday night where I had intended to drink and drink a lot. After all the preparation I had to do for Thanksgiving, that is exactly when I was going to start drinking. You know that he's just saying like, hey, guys, look at this. Watch, watch how I screw them just for the hell of it, just for a little more fun. You know that's what he's doing. I mean, the guy, I mean, clearly that makes no sense at all. No sense at all. All right. So here it is. It's the Hannity Show. And joining me right now is research director of the Government Accountability Institute. He's the author of, get this, Fraud, How the Left Plans to Steal the Next Election. Of note, this was published in August of 2018, okay? And he's also the producer of The Creepy Line. It's a documentary that exposes the power of big tech and how much power they have over public opinion. So much to talk about. Um, He really does get into the weeds about what's happened and what could happen. And with censorship, what happened with this election, he predicted it back in 2018. Eric Eggers, how are you? 
Well, Rose, I'm great, uh, especially since the fact that I live in Florida and, you know, my in-laws literally arrived about an hour ago, but I can drink as much as I want whenever I want. So I'm fine. <laughs> that is so mean for you to bring that up right now. He's living <laughs> in the free state of Florida. That's right. Oh, my gosh. I mean, this is insanity. It really is. And, you know, Eric, I have to say, it is we- it really strange when you are on the turnpike or you're on major highways here in Pennsylvania. I feel like I'm in, in, in the movie Outbreak or something weird like that, like some kind of sci-fi movie. And I see all these signs, these alley signs that say, you must be quarantined if you enter this state. You must have the mask on. You know, it's just like weird. It's so weird. Really it's weird. Totally weird. It's really yeah. weird. And, you know, what's, what's really sort of bizarre about it is, you know, to kind of connect it to um, you know, the topics you mentioned earlier is, you know, we know, and when I wrote the book about, you know, election fraud and some of the, the security <laughs> issues that we have and we, that are documented that we know exist, um, you know, that's all pre this new COVID reality, right? So that's all pre-California legalizing ballot harvesting, which sort of normalized the idea and practice of third-party solicitation and collection of ballots. And it's also pre this massive increase in uh, mailing people ballots and have seen a massive increase in, in vote-by-mail. So uh, it is super bizarre that in the name of, I mean, we're losing lots of freedoms, right, in the name of uh, yes. the COVID era, uh, you know, not the least of which is your freedom to be able to imbibe whenever you'd like to. And I think uh, one of those freedoms, unfortunately, may be the freedom to have confidence in the outcome of American elections. Yeah, and that's the scariest thing, right? I mean, it shouldn't matter to you if you voted for a Democrat or a Republican. What should matter to you is that this can be done. And even a year after you wrote your book, uh, The uh, uh, Fraud, How the Left Plans to Steal the Next Election, uh, even a year after you wrote that, you know, in 2019, we had Democrats that came out and said, oh, we're a little concerned about Dominion and how it could transfer votes. And But now they're silent. They are completely silent because, the you know, the election went their way. So, so me, seemingly anyway, right now, here's the thing that concerns me. You know, I we have a guy, you know, out this way on the western side of the state. There's two there's two counties here in Pennsylvania that are of great concern. Always Philadelphia. OK, Philadelphia County and then Allegheny County. Now, when you have someone say to you who should know better, oh, you know, we always have fraud and I didn't see anything. Well, how the hell did you see anything if you weren't being allowed or permitted to see anything? And in particular, you know, in fact, it was Rudy Giuliani that spoke about those two counties and the number of mail-in ballots that we had that were like outrageously high numbers, almost, you know, over 700,000 of them just between those two counties. Don't you tell me that there's nothing weird going on this time around. I'm sorry. Well, absolutely, right? And then you know this if you're uh, a resident of, of Pennsylvania, but, you know, this is not the first time Pennsylvania's had hard questions asked about the integrity of their elections. I mean, in 2016... Uh, yeah. Their secretary of state actually, you know, initially sort of resigned quietly and subsequent, subsequent reporting by the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette said that, no, in fact, he was fired for presiding over what were documented to be what they called glitches in the system that allowed illegal votes to be cast by uh, non-citizens or illegal immigrants, right? I mean, right. Pennsylvania, uh, you know, Philadelphia that you mentioned had an elections judge, someone who was employed 
to ensure the integrity and accuracy of American elections. And he was arrested and charged with literally voter fraud because he was accepting bribes to stuff ballots on behalf of the candidates that paid him. Right. So it's not like Pennsylvania when you say, oh, can you imagine the idea that uh, <laughs> there, there might be some questions about what happens here? No, unfortunately, this is this is just sort of the next chapter, if you will, yes. in Pennsylvania's history. Now, that's not to say that the people don't try hard to do their best to make sure you know that election outcomes are secure. We all saw, I think, Al Schmidt on the 60 Minutes thing, but um, but because of the way the system is set up, and I think this is what you're talking touching upon, not just in terms of the lack of ability to observe, but the lack of uh, assessment of the accuracy of the voter rolls. Right. Uh, so the reality is, once somebody's registered to vote then they're going to be able to cast that ballot whether or not they're a legal voter. And so, I mean, that's just an example of, like, one of the many thresholds that I think needs examining and addressing as we move forward. You know, one of the things that a lot of people ask me is, you know, once some of these states, after the Secretary of State have certified the election results, um, can the litigation still go forward? And, and I believe that it can. And we've talked about, I talked a little bit about it earlier. But there is some great concern because, um, because there's some really interesting things that, that have been uncovered. I've been talking to a lot of the lawyers on the ground, particularly here in the state of Pennsylvania, and they worked so hard, really hard, and they, and they had to process a lot of information before they could go forward with anything. And you want to know that at least this is being given serious consideration and that it's being looked at. I mean, what is the process? What, what do we do from here? What, what can we hope for from here? Yeah, it's a great question, um, and it's such an important point. And, uh, you know, I actually talk about some of the Pennsylvania attorneys, and there's some excellent attorneys in the state of Pennsylvania specifically who are great at election law. And because what they're fighting for, right, is not just to make sure that this most recent election uh, has accurate results, but they're fighting to make sure that the laws that were in place the day of the election stay in place for the remainder of the outcome, not just now, but in the future. That's always That's right. the tension point that lawyers fight about, right? It's like, hey, can, you know, were we able to get them to change or weaken certain security threshold in the middle of the election, because once that happens, then that's like the new standard as they move forward. And that's unfortunate. I think we've seen a pattern of that, uh, you know, over the last several cycles. Um, as, for, as it relates to, like, what can we hope for? Well, you know, I'm old enough to remember an election this century that was decided by 537 votes in Florida, specifically. And, uh, you know, not only did it take 37 days before the presidential candidate that was on the wrong side of that, Al Gore, conceded, but then, and this is what's really crazy, is not, to, not even after he conceded, lots of news outlets then went out and conducted their own investigation, right? The New York Times, the Orlando Sentinel, these other things, like well after and into the George W. Bush administration. So what I think we can hope for is that we're allowed, just as a, as a country, as a democracy, right, uh, to be able to conduct as much of an investigation and just to kind of do a thorough analysis that doesn't necessarily rely on the competence of the people that are currently representing, um, you know, Donald Trump's legal team, but kind of just like real experts that do a thorough analysis. I mean, historically, when people have proven documented evidence of voter fraud, it's taken actual investigations. It sometimes can take years. So, um, so I think because that's just sort of the way the system's set up, and that's what it looks like to actually do that level of forensic accounting and investigation. So what I'd like to see is the system's given time to play itself out, that we can sort of really get answers to some of the questions that are being raised right now. 
Yeah, that makes sense. You know, we're on a slippery slope right now. And when you when you consider that, you know, we are at risk, uh, we're, we're losing the, the, the confidence in a free election, uh, free enterprise with all the shutdowns and, and so forth, but also um, free speech. And we're seeing a lot of censorship. And I know you did, the, you're the producer of The Creepy Line. Um, right now, I mean, a lot of people, the left is freaking out over Parler. By the way, my Parler is uh, Rose Unplugged, but they're freaking out over Parler. <laughs> Because people are going over there by the millions. Um, Politico the other day took Parler to task because they don't censor enough. They want that competition to go away. And and, and, and and that's astounding to me. And speaking of not censoring enough, when we had those hearings on censorship, uh, Dorsey, and by the way, if he was in the, 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 the car of the E-train in New York, I'm not getting in, okay? I mean, if I didn't know who he was, I wouldn't get in there. Uh, but they're, they're asking, the representatives were asking, uh, the Republican representatives are saying, why are you censoring so much? While the Democrats are saying, why aren't you censoring more? So I, I, I just don't understand how so many people can be okay with this, Eric. No, no, it's exactly right. I mean, think about what we were just talking about as far, as far as what the reaction was after the 2000 election, where not only did people sort of like not accept the results for 37 days, but then even after there was a concession, these media outlets went out and did their own independent investigation to say, well, did, they, did George W. Bush really win? Uh, and what we're experiencing right now, just 20 years later, is completely the opposite, right? We were totally conditioned by social media outlets and news yes. websites even ahead of the election say, listen, heads up, it may take several days to count all the votes. That means that the system is working exactly as it's supposed to. Like That's what we all were told and fed and, and all the many screens that we see. And then as soon as the election was over, a couple of days later, and once you know, we saw a shift in terms of the leader, then we were told, no, 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 you, you, you not only cannot ask questions or like raise concerns given the documented history of electoral fraud that, you know, that we know exists, but if you do that, like A, we're going to flag it, right? B, we might delete it. And then now some people, some of these social media sites are even adding additional articles to sort of like what they would say is the correct narrative surrounding some of these topics. So uh, it's very troubling. And I think it doesn't augur good things, because if you think about it, right, American democracy, like the reason why we will have a peaceful transition of power, right, is because everyone generally believes, okay, like this is how adults do it. This is what democracy looks like. It's hard, but it's good. And um, but everybody has to have the ability and the belief in their ability to sort of say what they think, you know, freedom of speech. And that's very much going away. Oh, it's very much going away. And, and everyone should be concerned about that. Everyone should be concerned about that. Uh, you, you know, it was George Washington that said, if the freedom of speech is taken away, then dumb and silent, we may be led like sheep to the slaughter. And that is exactly what could happen. And he understood that. And we should understand that. And it frightens me that we don't. I have to go. But Eric Eggers, I really appreciate you, author of Fraud, How the Left Plans to Steal the Next Election. Wow. Were you prescient or what? And also producer of The Creepy Line. Thank you so much, Eric, for joining us today. My pleasure, Rose. Thank you. Take care. Happy, happy, happy Thanksgiving. All right, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving is right. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about, we'll take some phone calls. 1-800-941-SEAN. 1-800-941-SEAN. Also, check me out on Twitter at Rose underscore Unplugged. Parlor Rose Unplugged. Facebook, Rose Unplugged. And my website is roseunplugged.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. And we'll be back with lots more. I'm going to talk about the hypocrisy and so much more on The Hannity Show. Thank you, Jason, for the disco beds. I appreciate that so very much. Thanks to Greg, who's here with me. We uh, worked together for many years. 
in radio. He's here in Pittsburgh with me. Linda. I love Linda. <clears throat> I'm also afraid of Linda. So um, last time I didn't hit some things just right. And uh, she wasn't in the studio, so she couldn't like go after me on the uh, in my head. couldn't yell at you as quickly as I like to do is what you're trying to say. <laughs> That's exactly what I wanted to say, Linda. Instead, you were harassing me by text. <laughs> yeah, I rapid fire text. Anybody who knows me knows I have a very annoying text pattern, which is line by line, because I don't have the patience to wait for the whole paragraph. So you get a line <laughs> at a time. So you all hear ding, 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 ding. And everybody knows it's me. That is so true about you. You did. So I mean, I, I, I know it's obnoxious. I'm sorry. I love how obnoxious you are, though. There's what does that say about me? I don't know. Like, You're a masochist. I, I'm not sure. Maybe. But I really like that about you. <laughs> <laughs> You're the best, Linda. Thanks for everything. You're and, doing and a thanks, great job, Rose. Honey, thanks for giving me the opportunity. I always appreciate that. I truly do. Very and, welcome. I also appreciate WJAS here in Pittsburgh, who's allowing me to use their studios, their producer. It's been uh, a lot of fun, and uh, they're good people here. So thanks to all of them. And uh, phone calls. Oh, so I do want to take phone calls. I will. 1-800-941-7326. 800-941-SEAN. S-E-A-N. I will take your phone calls. Do I have How much time do I have, guys, now that I did all that yapping away? All right, I'll just real quick take uh, Dave, uh, David from California. Um, David, so you're not going to pay any taxes if Biden gets in, and how long do you think you'll get away with that? Huh? Huh, David? As long as I can just keep growing my herd of cattle. <laughs> you better find a place to hide. Uh, no, but you know what? I understand the frustration. I am, I am so very rural. I am so very rural in northeastern California. We're the county that refused to follow the mandate. Oh, that's you. And you so probably Governor Newsom defunded our hospital. You know what? I have some news on California coming up. I, I'm anxious to talk about it. These guys are such hypocrites. It's what you know. It's good for you, but not necessarily good for them. So you know, it's just a, they're hypocrites, like unbelievable hypocrites. And I have that coming up, David. You know what? You keep doing your thing, my man. You're awesome. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Appreciate you. Yeah, you're the first. I, I started trying to call Rush many years ago, and I've never got through to him. Yeah, that's a tough one, I'm sure. Thank you, sweetie. All right, everybody, we'll be back with more. Yeah, it is. It's the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose, sitting in for Sean. Longtime friend, and I really appreciate it. Thanks, Linda, for the opportunity. Check me out on Facebook. It's Rose Unplugged, and Twitter is at Rose underscore Unplugged. Hey, this just in from Governor Tom Wolf. Due to COVID-19, all Pennsylvania residents will be required to wear their underwear on the outside of their clothing until further notice. What? It could happen. It could happen. I mean... If they want to suspend alcohol sales from 5 p.m. Wednesday night until 8 a.m. Thursday, that makes about as much sense, right? I mean, who knows? It could happen. All right. Yeah, I'm having fun with you guys. Kind of. If you can have fun in this craziness. Stacy Ann, bring us up to date on what's going on in Salem, Oregon. If we can't have humor, what can we have, right? Mm -hmm. So glad to be with you, Rose, and you're doing a great job. And shout out to Linda, who is one of my personal heroes. Yes. I am Stacey Ann. I live here in Salem, Oregon. I'm blessed to be a part of the KSLM News Talk radio team. I have a, a local morning talk show. And there is some amazing things going on in Salem, Oregon. As you know, there is an executive order that started in March here in Oregon from our lovely 
tongue-in-cheek, Governor Brown, who uh, said we need to flatten the curve, right? Well, two weeks ago, she started another lockdown, which told us we need to be on a freeze, which shut down all of our restaurants, our bars, including our gyms, and told everybody that you cannot have more than six people in your home for Thanksgiving. And the difficult part is our friends in Multnomah County, who have already been under siege with all of the what protests slash riots, their county is down for four weeks on a freeze. And wow. what you know, talk about the hypocrisy. Multnomah County uh, commissioner is in Hawaii meeting with the other fellow, what, Washingtonians and Californians and Oregonians there in Hawaii, what, planning, scheming, during this freeze when everybody else is being told to be locked down. Well, let me tell you what's happening tomorrow, Rose. I'm so excited. There's a group of patriots here in Oregon meeting at the Oregon Capitol. They're going to throw a big Thanksgiving feast right on the Capitol grounds, feeding anybody that can come. We're going to have an old-fashioned, community-wide Thanksgiving feast to defy the lockdown and defeat the steal because there are a silent majority of Trump supporters, patriots right here in Oregon. I've been back since January, and I'm telling you, it is red here in Oregon. If you look at the map, the majority of Oregon is red, and we are tired of our election being robbed from us, and we are standing with our president. Stacey, and thank you for that. And I am so proud of the work that you do there. And I am so proud of, of your fellow citizens in your state of Oregon who are willing to go out there and let it be known. Because I'm sure it's getting a little chilly in Oregon, but that's not going to stop us or you from letting it be known that you resist and you uh, you do not approve of the way things are being handled. And you know, you're not the only one. Stacey Ann, thank you so much, by the way, for your call. She's not the only one and they are not the only ones. Um, I, I'm finding it interesting. Um, Andrew Cuomo is really upset that New York police aren't going to enforce his rules for indoor gatherings, okay? Because you know that they have rules for that as well in New York City, uh, well, in all of New York, but the police said they're not going to enforce that. Then um, New York business owners kick out the health department uh, and the sheriffs, and they said civil disobedience starts now. This was on Friday night. Some business owners in Buffalo, New York, they all got together at the Athletes Unleashed gym, and collectively they refused to comply with when the Department of Health employee and the Erie County Sheriff Department entered their business, the response to those people, get a warrant and leave their private property now. In fact, they were chanting, get out. We will not comply. People are not going to take this much longer. I will have you know, Rochester, New York, portions of Monroe County have been designated as orange. And under the orange designation, services, now listen to this, services at houses of worship would be restricted to 33% capacity. You might say, well, I mean, 33%. I mean, at least it's something, right? Or, or a maximum of 25 people. And mass gatherings would be capped at 10 people. You know, this is, this is an hour. And then public dining. Okay, listen to this. Okay, because Rochester, I've been there. Okay, we were, I was on the air in Rochester. Public dining will be restricted to outdoor dining. Now think about this, people. Outdoor dining in Rochester. Rochester, I think the high today in Rochester was 34 degrees. But you can go ahead and have dinner outside if you want. Deciding to plan a dinner outside in Rochester is like planning a ski vacation in Miami. You don't do it. It just doesn't happen. Also, there's a maximum of four people at a table. So if you've got a family of five or more, leave one of the kids at home, okay? California, 
the um, the public health to modify health officer order to restrict dining at restaurants, breweries, wineries, and bars. Okay, Californians are defying though Governor Newsom's curfew order right now. They're they have been flooding the streets in 16 cities, defying his curfew. Where are we living, people? Where are we living? And then, of course, you have our crazy governor, Wolf, who has decided that for some reason we need to, to, to stop and suspend all alcohol sales from 5 p.m. Wednesday night until 8 a.m. in the morning. He said, um, he said, this is one night ban, but it's needed. Needed for what? Let me tell you something. I, I, I told you before, that is when I intend to start drinking. And the thing to do is, you know, he talks about how it's for the collective good. The word collective. Notice it. It is our collective responsibility, he said, to protect communities. It's for the collective good. Speaking of collective good, Dasha from Pennsylvania, someone I know well, what a lovely lady, ran for Congress. And she knows what it's like to live under socialism. She knows what it's like to live under communism. Dasha, thank you for calling into the show today. Uh, You've got a story to tell. Hello, my beautiful Rose. Hello, my beautiful Dasha. It's so great talking with you. You know, I am so disgusted with what is going on. Um, I was talking to a young man today. He's 23, who's conservative, and we're talking about socialism. And we already surpassed socialism. This is communism. This is government getting into every aspect of our life and telling us what we can and cannot do. We cannot sing at our, um, you know, at our Thanksgiving dinner. We cannot talk loudly. We can't play music. We can't have alcohol. I mean, when you're getting together with family, that's when you drink alcohol. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. Well, sometimes it depends on the family. You drink even more. (laughs) I mean, like it's a necessity, right? Okay. So it's just, you know, now they're getting into our houses and telling us what we can and cannot do and telling our neighbors to actually spy on your neighbor. And if they are defining to, you know, to call the police and to have the police come and they're going to. So let me understand this. You can burn somebody's business down and you can break in and rob it. But if you have seven people at your house for Thanksgiving dinner, they're going to come and arrest you? I mean, where are we? We are Pretty soon they're going to start building, building gulags and sending us away for things that they don't just don't like and don't agree with. I mean, look at this election. Look at what they managed to do. This was an election out of communist Russia. Yes. What I escaped from, they decided on a candidate and they fixed it according to how it's going to shake out as long as he wins. I mean, we need to start fighting. Americans need to start coming together, and we need to start fighting, and we need to start telling these idiots that this is not how a free country is run. You know, as you heard me speak before, you know, our ancestors, my family, uh, Plus myself, we gave up everything to come to this beautiful country, the land of opportunity, the land of freedom, the land of liberty. And they managed in eight and a half months to completely rob us of everything that this country is built on. 
They managed to completely trash our Constitution. And if we don't fight now, then you know what? We're going to turn into a communist country because these governors and these um, these politicians are not going to give up their power that lightly. They're going to continue to reach and reach until they're going to break you. And, you know, we are going to become a communist country. We're going to become the next Venezuela. So, yeah, and um, you know what it is you speak of. You do. I, I really already, Dasha, I am having a difficult time recognizing my country. I am really struggling right now to recognize my country. My country is a free well, republic. My country is a land for the free. Uh, my country where liberty comes first, where freedom is celebrated. It, 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 that exactly. is the spirit of this country. Freedom, liberty. That's what we're all about. That's what this election is all about. That's what the fraud is all about. That is what they want to steal from us. And you're right. We can't allow that to happen, Dasha. And you know what? And this is why I ran, because I can't sit here and have these people talking heads telling me what they're going to do and do and do complete opposite. We need to start electing people who can who are like one of us who understand what it's like to have a business and to have to cash out your entire bank account or now you're you're you you don't even know how to put food on your own table because you've spent and done everything to keep your employees, you know, paid and you know, we need to have normal people who can understand this stuff, not career politicians who've been in there for decades and decades and have done absolutely nothing. Absolutely. So, you know, my, my run's not over. I'm going to be 2022, whether it's a re-election or an election. We yeah. still have zero idea what it's going to be. But um, you know what? we got to fight for our country. We've you keep fight. fighting, girl. That's right. And yeah. I am glad you're not giving up because we need people like you. We need you. So, Dasha, thank yeah. you. I have to take a break, they're telling me. But thank you. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for all that you do. And hang in there, girl. Do not give up. We'll be back with more The Sean Hannity Show coming up after this. Check me out on Facebook during the break, Rose Unplugged. Also on Twitter, at Rose underscore Unplugged. Hey, welcome back to The Sean Hannity Show. I'll take a few more of your phone calls. It's been so much fun. Don't forget, go to Facebook and like me and follow me. It's Rose Unplugged. And on Twitter, it's at Rose underscore Unplugged. Let me take Stephen from Pittsburgh, actually. Hey, Stephen, how's it going? Are you there, Stephen? I'm trying to raise... Hey, Stephen, how are you? Well, I'm sorry. Hi, this is Jim from, Jim from Pittsburgh. Okay. All right. Do I have the right okay, one? Right. Yeah, I go all the way back to the war room. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real, I got three things I want to tell you real quick. Write this down, Rose. Roy... Benavides. It's called. It's spelled B E N A D I D E Z. He will okay. bring tears to your eyes. Master okay. Sergeant, he's dead now, and they should make a movie of this man. He is a man's man. I want to tell you, I listened to his message, and I can't believe it. But I'm not going to tell you anymore. You look. Okay, at- I'll do that. All right, listen. Now you need to hold because I feel terrible here. I was supposed to grab someone first that was waiting way longer. Hold on one second. Jim, let me let me get to them first, and then I'll get back to you. Um, and before I even do that, before I even do that, uh, 
I wanted to talk a little bit about governors, mayors, and other officials' hypocrisy because that's been going on, and and, and people are getting tired of it, and they can see through all of this. Um, I was reading something that was written by Daniel Greenfield, and he was talking about how winter's upon us now, and there are only two possible explanations why so many governors repeatedly violate the rules that they tell us uh, mean the difference between life and death. So he says, Daniel Greenfield says, either they're suicidal or they're lying to us. So here's some examples. Um, A week before issuing a statewide mask mandate and a few weeks after trying to ban Thanksgiving, Governor Newsom attended a dinner party maskless for a lobbyist, okay? COVID-19 has not gone away, he said to everyone else. Take the new case rates seriously. We can't let our guard down. You've got to wear a mask. You've got to limit mixing with those you don't live with and physically distance yourself. Meanwhile, he after after he says that, there's a photograph of him at a dinner party, 22 people, no social distancing, no mask wearing, no precautions. And... Um, And the people that were at this dinner party, one of them was the CMA, part of the CMA. Listen, all I want to do is leave you with this. Let us be sure that those who come after us will say of us that in our time, we did everything that could be done. We finished the race. We kept them free. We kept the faith. That's Ronald Reagan, third State of the Union address. That's what we need to do. Keep the faith, people, because we want to finish this race by keeping them free. So loving spending time with you. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody.